It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, several little Falcons news and nuggets. How disappointing would it be if the Hawks don't make the playoffs and what to do with Sadiq Bey moving forward? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are also free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire is two more ways that you can keep up with us. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So I've got a whole list of little tiny news and nuggets for the Atlanta Falcons that I want to touch on. One of the things I thought was interesting coming out of the Combine is when you have interviews at the Combine, you have a limited amount of interviews that you can do. So you can't interview every single player. You have a set amount of interviews that you have. And where the Falcons really concentrated their interviews on was quarterback, offensive line, defensive line. So a lot of times when you get to the combine, it can be a pretty good indication of where a team spends most of its time interviewing guys with how they draft. Now, look, it doesn't guarantee anything, but it is interesting that quarterback, O-line, defensive line were the big majority of interviews that the Falcons did. Positionally, that was the areas that they focused on the hardest. So that's good. That's good. Now, quarterback is one of those things that sometimes you talk to the quarterbacks because you always want to be in that business. Sometimes you talk to quarterbacks because it's guys you may have to scout against. Sometimes it's quarterbacks where you look at drafting a guy, maybe not early, but later on. There are lots of different reasons why you talk to quarterbacks because it's the most important position on the field. I mean, you always are in that business if you don't have a franchise quarterback. So not really surprising there, but good to know that the Falcons spent a lot of their interview time on offensive and defensive line. So one of the other things is, too, is that today is tag day, right? It's franchise tag day. I don't know what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I can tell you this. I saw a report from Ian Rappaport. He was on with Pat McAfee, and he was talking yesterday about the idea of whether they transition tag him or not. He said that the Atlanta Falcons, he had not heard any rumblings or news or anything about the Falcons being interested in Lamar Jackson at all. He not He's not seeing a dance partner, and he's not really even seeing right now a dance partner for anybody. So I will say this about Lamar Jackson. It's not that I don't want the player here, but when you combine both the draft capital you have to give up and the amount of money against the cap that you're going to put out, 
I just don't think those two things work out because you're not a quarterback away and it's too much to just invest in one player for this franchise right now. Giving up all of your draft and signing him to $250 million, it just doesn't make sense for this franchise. Too many holes. Yeah, could they be a playoff team? Sure, but they're not in the Super Bowl with the Lamar Jackson move. They still have too many flaws and warts to it. So while I understand it makes them better, it really starts to put the ceiling on what the Falcons can do, and you're never going to be in this position again where you have good draft capital and you have a lot of money to spend. They should spend all of that money and draft capital more wisely than just invest everything into one player. I understand it's a quarterback, and I get that, but your your roster is not in a position where you can just give it all to one guy and then not be able to invest anywhere else. Now, Caleb McGarry, I hope the Falcons don't use the, the tag on him. My guess would be in reality that the Falcons use the transition tag on him. That's a $16 million hit against the cap, okay? Versus the exclusive tag, which is 18.3 million. I think it's 16.6 or something like that, whatever it is. It's over $16 million, okay? I'm hoping beyond hope that the Falcons can work out a long-term deal for McGarry and not have to use the tag on him. I just think it's too rich for the player that McGarry is. I want McGarry back. I like McGarry. I want him to be here, but at the right number. You know, I'm not overspending just because I have to have Caleb McGarry. I'll go draft Paris Johnson or Skaronsky or one of these offensive linemen before I'll do all of that. And I can still take money and upgrade at left guard. So I'm, I'm all for McGarry being back. I just want it to be at the right number where it makes sense for the long term. Because again, it's been one year out of four that he's played really well. It's still 75% of his career that he's been very average or below average. And yes, it is this final year that he's played really well, but how much is that scheme versus he's walking in free agency because he didn't get his fifth-year option? How much does all of that factor in? Now, I thought it was a good move that uh, we saw Lorenzo Carter is going up to Flowery Branch. All reports are that he's going to sign a two-year deal. The reason you sign a two-year deal is because rather than give a guy all of his money in one year, you spread it out a little bit, and then if you want to, you can cut the guy next year with minimal cap impact, okay? Or you can bring him back and, you know, you pay a little bit more money than you do in the first year. I'm guessing it's probably somewhere two for eight, somewhere probably four, four to $5 million a year at most. It's not going to really cost you much. But again, I talked about this on the podcast before. I like the idea of having Lorenzo Carter here. I think he could be in the rotation. Now, should he play 75% of the snaps like he did last year? No, he shouldn't play 75% of the snaps. But you have Eva Katie on one side, you draft the number eight pick on the other, and then let those two guys be your starters. And then go get, you got Lorenzo Carter in the mix, then go get a Justin Houston or an Ngakwe, somebody like that, and then that's my four pass rushing group, right? That's my four players that are pass rushers. So I'm okay with that if that's the pathway that we do. But I like having Carter here. I think he was a 
a, a decent signing for what it is. It's just I'm not going to play him 15, 16 starts, 17 starts this year. He's not going to play 75% of the snaps. Now, another guy that there's been a lot of chatter about is Jesse Bates, the safety out of Cincinnati. Oh, you know, he'd be a good fit for the Falcons. He's going to be a $13, $14 million safety. Why do I want all that? Like, how if I have Jerry Gray and I've invested draft capital two of the last three years in my starting safeties, I'm not signing a $14 million safety. I know he's a good player, okay? But for what this roster is and what this team needs, okay, he's not solving a whole lot. If if my corners are good, my pass rush is good, I can live with I can live with Hawkins and Grant, okay? So I can I can afford to have those two guys. And with Jerry Gray coming in, who by the way, in 2010, he coached Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas in their rookie years. If I can get him to coach those guys up a little bit, I'm fine with that. I don't need to spend $14 million on a safety. And the last thing is I am all in, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I am all in on trading for Jalen Ramsey. I would forget the money aspect of it. Money, no problem. And by the way, Jalen Ramsey is probably going to be had for a song when all is said and done. Maybe a second and fourth round pick. If there's nobody that the Falcons could draft in the second round that's going to be a better football player than Jalen Ramsey. And if I can have A.J. Terrell, Jalen Ramsey on the corner spot, and then I get all my pass rushing, I can have myself a pretty good defense. And with Hawkins and Grant, if they make that step forward, the defense could get themselves kind of, I don't want to say all fixed, but certainly a lot better than what they've been. So we'll see what happens, but it's certainly a big day around the NFL. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And when you sign up at FanDuel.com today, you can claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel's safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to props and everything in between. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N today and claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So how big of a deal would it be if the Atlanta Hawks don't make the playoffs? Now, here's what I will say, okay? Because the Hawks lost last night, 130-128. They shot really well against the Miami Heat in the first half, then couldn't hang on to the lead. Again, another subpar defensive performance. Trey and DeJounte couldn't make a three to save their life. 
You know, Trey hit that big 30-footer at the end of the game, you know, near the end of the game. DeJounte hit a 35-footer that was at the buzzer that the only thing it did was cover the spread uh, for the, if, if you're looking at point spreads, cover the point spread for the Atlanta Hawks. But it was a disappointing performance because you played so well in the first half. And you go 0 for 2 against Miami in this set, lose the season series. Now you're on to Washington, okay? And we talked about this is becoming must-win and all that kind of stuff. But how big of a deal would it be for the Hawks? Because while I think that they will make the playoffs, that they will find a way because the bottom tier of the Eastern Conference is dreadful. The Charlottes, the Detroits, Indiana, some of those teams, they're dreadful. So I don't think the Hawks are completely in danger of being out of the playoffs. But, hey, look, Denver had to, Denver had to, you know, hang on for dear life against Toronto because if Toronto would have beat Denver last night, the Hawks and the Heat would have, or, or, sorry, the Hawks and Toronto would have flipped. So that would have made the Hawks in the nine seed. And then the 10 seed is, oh yeah, the team that you're going to see two of the next three days in the, in the uh, Washington Wizards. So it's no fate accompli. And we've talked about this. The schedule has done themselves no favors. You know, you've got to at least split with Washington. Because if you can't split, the, the, the only good thing that is working in the Hawks' favor right now is the fact that Toronto's out on the West Coast. That they're, they played in Denver last night. They're playing the Clippers, the Lakers. They're playing on the West Coast for now. So that's the only good thing. And maybe the fact that the, the, the Hawks don't have to play Toronto, that may be the other good thing about all of this. But right now, the schedule makers have made it tough because you got to at least split against Washington. And for a team that's not good on the road, a team that's, you know, not played well in back-to-backs and things, because once you get Wednesday, Friday against the Wizards, you come home Saturday and you face the Boston Celtics, who are, by the way, the second best team in the Eastern Conference. And oh, by the way, um, you're not good on back-to-backs. And oh, by the way, they've lost the Celtics, that is, have lost three in a row. So you know they're going to be hungry to try to get back on track. So everything sets up negatively for the Atlanta Hawks. Would it be a big deal if they find themselves out of the playoffs? Because here's the reality. I think the Hawks are probably going to finish in that 9-10 spot, maybe 9. I'll, I'll, I'll give them the 9 spot, which means that you have to win multiple games, one game at home if you're the 9 seed, and then one game on the road against the loser of the 7-8 matchup, just like last year. It's the same scenario. You play the first game at home. You play on the road in the second game. But what's your reward? Okay, your reward is – you play either the Boston Celtics. Well, let me put it this way. Let, let's say the, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. That's the team you play. Because as the Celtics have won, you know, lost three in a row. Yeah, I know that the uh, Bucks had their 16-game winning streak, you know, snapped over the weekend, whatever like that. But let's say it's the Milwaukee Bucks, okay? Yes, I understand that the Hawks match up some well. But you think this team is ready to go into a, a series? Like, how how successful is it? if you win a couple of play-in games and then face the Milwaukee Bucks and you get knocked out 4-1. How successful is that? Now, if you can get to 7-8, to eight, 
okay, and, and win that first matchup and then take on the number two seed, the Celtics, maybe that makes it a little bit better. But again, we're talking about we're talking about scenarios that number one are becoming less and less likely. This idea of getting to the sixth seed, you know, or uh, Brooklyn's not as bad as what we think they are. Miami looks like that they're on the rise a little bit that they could overtake Brooklyn. I think the Knicks are locked into that five seed. They're not getting knocked out, so things are starting to pecking order fall into place. And then with the Hawks' schedule the way that it is, if you don't split against Washington, if you if you're 0-2 against Washington, let me tell you, the way that this team has played in back-to-back games, 2-7 and seven on the year, they're not going to beat Boston. So that could be potentially, if you lose two to the Heat, or sorry, lose to the Wizards, lose another game to Boston, you're looking at a five-game losing streak, and then things start to spin out of control. Because you're down to what, your last 17 games? of the year as it is. Do I think it would be a big deal? I don't personally think it would be a big deal, but I promise you ownership does, who's paying $8 million million a year for a head coach, who hired a coach in five days to come in and try to get this thing on track, and they won't have a playoff game at home, even if it is a play-in round or whatever. They don't have a play-in game. The owner of this team thinks it's a big deal. You don't pay that kind of money and bring a coach three quarters of the way through the season in if you don't think it's a big deal. The owner looks at it as a big deal. Do I personally look at it as a big deal? No, because I know what the end result is going to be. It's going to be Boston or Milwaukee or something like that, and we're going to get our brains beat in because those teams are clearly, clearly way above anything that the Atlanta Hawks have to offer. First things first. Go to Washington, see if at least the Hawks can split, but certainly nothing is setting up right now. And this road trip, it could get disastrous. Let's hope the Hawks get off because I do think that if the Hawks win on Wednesday, okay, things start to calm down a little bit. But if they lose on Wednesday, there's a definite chance they lose on Friday. And I don't think they're winning on Saturday when they come back home against the Boston Celtics. All right, uh, besides making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available. Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from. So what do the Hawks do with a Sadiq Bay? So last night, you know, as John Collins got into some foul trouble, Bay was able to come in and give him 17 points off the bench and didn't shoot a bad six of 10 uh, from the field, three of five from three point land. He's given him some good minutes, although he was a minus 16 uh, in the game um, and was, you know, again, that's part of that is his defensive liability. We'll talk about that in a second here, but he is coming off the bench and providing a spark in scoring. And as, Right now, Quinn Snyder is shortening this bench and he's worried about rookie walls and all these different kinds of things. And they're and they're mixing up how they're using AJ Griffin and Jalen Johnson and things like that. I, I like what Sadiq Bay brings. Okay. Now, here's the thing about Sadiq Bay. So, number one, he goes into next year in the final year of his contract. So he's about a four and a half million dollar guy next year okay that's number one 
Number two, he is a bit of a defensive liability on the court, okay? I don't think he's as good a defender as John Collins is. Maybe not as physical either. But you play him in that 3-4 role of DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, you know, when, when you know, the rotations are what they are on the floor. I think he's a really good scorer. But do you look at if the Hawks, you're, you are thinking that he is a, a long-term fit, okay? A lot of this is going to have to do with what happens in the offseason to either DeAndre Hunter or John Collins. If, for once in the rumor mill, if John Collins is not back with the Atlanta Hawks, okay? I'm not saying that Sadiq Bey just slides into his position, but Sadiq Bey could be a valuable piece. Here's what I would say. I personally would like the Hawks to give him a contract extension. I wouldn't mind seeing what Sadiq Bey could be over the next couple few years. And if you if if it's salary and you're trying to stay out of the luxury tax, whether it's again Collins being traded, Hunter being traded, Capella being traded, whatever it is that the Hawks need to do to get themselves under the luxury tax and things like that, okay? I'd like to have Sadiq Bey back for the next few years. And he probably wouldn't cost you a lot of money. You know, he he went through his rookie deal. He had a couple of team uh, options that were picked up. Last year was a team option. This year, well, well I should say, this year is a team option. La or Next year is a team option as well. And that's like $4.5 million. So if you could get him for a pretty good value, you know, let's say if it's, eight million a year or something like that okay let's say because the natural thing is he would get a raise right i mean every player is going to get a raise coming out of their last few years of the rookie contracts and option years and different things like that if it's seven or eight million dollars a year for sadiq bay i could live with that i could live with that more than you know and and we saw that bogey bogdanovich is not is going to um not pick up his uh player option that's available and most likely he will test himself on the free agent market and see if he can get a bigger, better deal. I don't know what the market is going to be for Bogey. Um, you know, he's just not a healthy enough player. Yeah, he can score and he can shoot the three and he can do all these things, but I, I don't know what the marketplace is. But Sadiq Bey is an interesting character that if he could be part of the long-term solution, maybe improve some of his defense, I certainly know that he could be a guy that if he comes off your bench can get you some volume scoring. Okay. Could he start 80 games? Maybe, but you're going to have to have a guy. I mean, that, that can, that can certainly play some better defense than what Sadiq Bay has. You, you better have a guy that comes off your bench that could be a defensive stopper. And maybe if he plays beside and they go with a smaller line, if he plays beside, a DeAndre Hunter type, maybe that, you know, maybe they can, you know, take some of the liability off Sadiq Bay as far as defense goes. But I wouldn't mind having him here for the right number. I'm not paying him a gargantuan salary, okay? I don't think he's earned that, that I'm not paying him 10, 12, you know, million dollars a year, $15 million a year for all of this. But I do think that he has got some value to this team. And I like some of the things 
that he brings to this team. I think he brings some energy. I think he brings some offensive volume scoring. And, you know, look, eventually we're going to have A.J. Griffin or Jalen Johnson step up and they're going to play. They're going to get through this rookie wall and all that and moving forward that whatever their role is going to be, right? But if you're going to live life without bogey, most likely next year, and you're going to and you and you're going to probably try to define what Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin is, you know, that what their role is going to be moving forward or maybe they're not in the plans when all is said and done. Maybe Landry Fields, Quinn Snyder, whatever like that, they decide to retool this thing. I hope that they I hope that they would extend a Sadiq Bay and bring and keep him around for a few more years just to see if they can tap into what his upside is. Just to see if they can tap in to something there. Obviously, was a good collegiate player, a fairly high draft pick, and you know I, I don't know if the the Pistons gave up on him too early or whatever like that. He does have his limitations, but certainly he can be a volume scorer. He's had a fifty point game in his career, so you know he didn't do that off the bench. He has started a lot. He's got defensive liabilities. But hopefully Sadiq Bey is a guy that they can figure out something to do with going forward for the long term. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen, the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser, when you get there, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We're trying to grow to 6,000 subscribers, so be a part of our ever-growing community. You can leave us a comment there as well. We are also free and available to download on all of your favorite audio podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get all of your favorites from, download us for free there today. Roku and Amazon Fire is two additional ways that you can check out all of the great content we have going on. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 